Good afternoon. Welcome to Wear Many Hats podcast. It's our 22nd episode today um, and a really interesting one, actually. Another special episode where we're going to talk to an individual who's operated in the facilities management arena for multiple years and an expert in his chosen field. Today, we're joined by the group commercial director and co-owner of Advanced Facilities Group, um, who's going to talk about everything M&E, everything hard services, and also his career to date. Hello, Steve. How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. You okay? Yeah, really, really good, thank you. Do you want to get straight into it in terms yeah, of the questions? Go, go for it. Yeah? Let's see what you got. So, we've had a bit of a chat beforehand. We've had a little bit of chat about your career and things like that. So, tell us a little bit about your career journey in facilities management, uh, how it started, and you know, tell us a little bit about how you are where you are now. How it started. It's a bit of a strange one how it started, actually, because I, I dropped into the facilities construction maintenance um, arena about 20 years ago. Right. Completely by accident. Yeah. Um, and when I say by accident, I mean by accident. Um, a friend of mine used to work for a rather large drainage company. Um, we got on really well. My, our daughters played football, so right. my daughter is over in Australia doing the run at the moment. Really? Um, so I'm in the garden one day. Yeah. tidying the garden up before I flew out to Turkey that evening. And he popped around and said, look, have you got five minutes? I've got someone who wants to have a chat with you. Yeah. So I'm studying the garden in a pair of shorts and a vest, right. tidying the garden. So, um, yeah, okay. Went around the corner to a big drainage company who was based around the corner and said, oh, right, okay, what do you want? And it was two northern guys, um, one of the owners and one of the main directors there. Right. Um, and they said, are you looking for a job? I went, well, no, I'm actually the uh, regional sales director for Pedigree Pet Foods. Right. So I used to sell fish food. Really? Food and cat food. Um, I said, but if the offer's there and it's worth it, I'll have a chat. Yeah. Um, and that was my start. I was literally flying to Turkey four hours later. So wow. came back from Turkey. They phoned me again and, you know, we really want you on board. Um, I thought, well, give it a go. I don't know anything about drainage. Yeah. Don't know anything about facilities. Don't know anything about construction. Yeah. Completely new. Um, I went in there, actually learned that I was really bloody good at it. Right. I was really, I picked it up very, very quickly. Yeah. Rose through the ranks. Um, quite quickly moved on to another company where they brought me in to take over everything in the north. Right. Um, so, yeah, it was completely by accident. So from pet foods to facilities maintenance and drainage. That's a very interesting journey. <laughs> it's, it is. It's, it's a very, it. yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one. Yeah, because, I, I mean, you do hear a lot about sort of engineers and things like that moving into a sales role in that space, don't you? Yeah. But not someone who sells pet food. No, so, not, into, not into selling drainage, relining, unblocks, that side of things. Yeah. But from that, um, I got more and more involved in the hard services. I got yeah. more involved in, in construction and civil. So around the built environment, I got more and more involved in that. Right. And again, I found that I picked it up very, very easily. Yeah. It wasn't. So from scratch, I picked it up very, very quickly. So you didn't struggle with like the technical elements no, of the role? No, I, I was like good. I, I ended up designing drainage. I ended up designing really? things. I was, a, I was a fixer. I was a problem solver. Wow. So I would get sent up and down the country to solve people's problems. Yeah. Um, you know, from a technical side, if someone had an issue and they, they think, oh, what do we do with it? We've got no idea. what well, I'd get sent up and down, literally up and down the country. Right. Um, and, you know, from one drainage company to a civils company to a relining company to a maintenance company, um, that's where everything for me started off. 
Right, so pet food was gone then. That pet was food it. was gone. You'd gone. Found, yeah, you I found, found your space. I found, I, found my, I found my space and I found the facilities industry. Oh, brilliant. Uh, to be fair, not dissimilar to a lot of our guests, actually, yeah. Steve. Yeah, we all tend to fall into it by accident. And you can never leave. Yeah, never, you ever, never ever. Never leave. Yeah, yeah, it gets in your blood, I think. You know? it, it, yes, it does get in your blood. And yeah. it's, you, you know it so well. Why, why would you leave? I, yeah. I I know this industry better than I know anything else. Yeah. Um, I'm good at this industry. I know yeah. more people in this industry than I do anywhere else. Most of my friends, most of my acquaintances, everything is within yeah. this industry. So it's, um, it's quite sad, really. I couldn't go anywhere else now. Uh, well, I mean, do you know, something you touched on there is actually really relevant, the people piece. Yeah. Um, I think the people um, within the industry, uh, uh, you know, there's just lots of really good people mm. across the industry as a whole. Um, and that's what I've noticed over the years um, that I've operated in it. Just the different characters is is a good way to explain. Well, you touched on it a little while ago. You said about engineers and the thing yeah. with this industry is. I mean, I've just been with um, a brand new client today, um, and the, the the guy that I'm dealing with is is one of the main people there. But his boss was there, his associate director. Now he'd come from being a engineer, a, a mobile engineer in a van, driving around all over the place fixing things, to now right. being an associate director for a multi-billion pound company. Now, yeah. there aren't many industries around where you could go from doing something like that to a main director. Completely um, agree. And also, I, I know you know I know MDs who've come from the ground upwards. I know, yeah. I know business owners who've come from the down, ground upwards. Yeah. There aren't many industries around where you could physically do that, and that's why it's such a great place to work. I would actually say, Steve, that it's it's actually commonplace within yeah. our industry for people, you know, in either executive leadership roles or, you know, either company directors. I mean, I know company directors that have started as cleaners or security yeah. officers or engineers, similar to yourself. Not, I know you didn't start as an engineer, but the individual you spoke about earlier that have risen through the ranks. So I think it's actually – we don't talk about the industry sometimes in that way from a learning and development piece but that is actually really that's something the industry should be proud of we should pat ourselves on the back for that it should be i mean it should be massively proud as i say i mean there aren't many you can name where you can go from right down there all the way up there to own your own business to and i sound similar to you i, I know companies that multi multi-million pound companies yeah where the, the man in charge started off in a van or started off you know cleaning or started off as an apprentice yeah and you work your way through and it's just it's it's why it's such an amazing industry to work in yeah i completely agree i really do so talk us through i mean obviously now you know you're the group commercial director and co-owner of advanced facilities group so so talk us about how you transitioned into that role and what that entails again by accident Right. Okay. Um, I was working. You have a lot of happy accidents. I, I, Steve. Don't say that. That's not <laughs> um, I was working um, as a freelance consultant for a, a large construction company um, who, unfortunately, as with large construction companies, like to hang on to their money quite a bit. Right. Um, so I, I took a role um, as a freelance BDM. Right. Um, for a company which is, is still, I won't mention the name, but they're, they're still round and about now. Yeah. Um, met the met one of the owners, didn't meet the second one, met the second one weeks and weeks later. We hit it off, um, became good friends. After a few years, he decided that he didn't want to work at that company anymore. There mm. was a lot of 
um, a lot of ethical issues with that company about what they were doing, how they were doing it, right? Uh, which he didn't agree with and I didn't agree with. Um, so he left. So it became a kind of an integrity issue. Yeah, really. it was a massive integrity issue. So he yeah. then left and set up, um, started off Advance. Right. Um, not long after, I was supposed to become a partner within that group. I was supposed to, you know, promised all the things under the sun. But unfortunately, yeah, yeah. he he did the same with me. I, you know, he's basically went yeah. behind my back and um, had me over. It's a polite way of putting it. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I left and I joined uh, Glenn Thompson, who's my business partner, and we pushed Advance forward. Right. Um, that was actually. 13 years now, no, 11 years now. Wow. July 2012. Yeah. 1st of July 2012, so we've been going 11 years. Wow. So so talk us through that that 11-year journey, you know, where what was the start of the business and where is the business now? You know, both from turnover, capability, things like that. Yeah, from where we are to where we start. I mean, we literally, we started in a one-room barn conversion in the middle of Kent. Right. Um, because that's literally where Glenn lived. Okay. With a young lady called uh, Anya, who was then an apprentice, fresh out of college, 18 years old. Couldn't yeah. understand a word I was saying. Right. Because I'm Northern. Right. Um, I understand that more than most. Yeah, I, yeah. She literally could not. She had to ask Glenn what I was saying sometimes. <laughs> um, so she started um, straight out of school, as I say. So we grew it. We were predominantly at the beginning because my industry was drainage it was yep. the easiest thing to, to get started path of least resistance yeah do what you know exactly course, yeah. um so we started off on drainage um brought in a number of clients clients grew and what we found that and it's quite it's quite a weird thing i don't know whether anyone has actually sussed this bit out yet but we did a good job on the drainage so they asked us to do other things yeah it's amazing when you do something well it is isn't it to, yeah to do something more yeah so um they came to us and said actually you're doing a good job that you guys do hard services fabric works um yeah, of course we do. Everyone yeah. goes, yes, of course we do. Then we'll figure out how we do it later. Fake it till you make it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, completely that's agree. the way. So um, we then brought in um, fabric engineers, right. and then it started to grow and grow from there. You know, someone come in, do you do electrical works? Yeah, of course we do. Yeah, I'm very good at saying, yes, we yes we do. Yes. And you'll find that. I'm very good at it. Um, from there, it was the M&E works mm. um, and it, civils works, and we just each division within the group has then started to grow and grow. And the majority of it was via existing clients. Right. So, I mean, we work for some of the biggest FM property management companies, not only in the UK, but in the world. Right. And, you know, we started off doing one or two jobs for them. Then that became four or five jobs and came 10, 15 jobs. And everything we did grew from that point. Yeah. Um, so from scratch, we literally... We got up to COVID. Yep. The dreaded COVID. Yes. Um, especially for the facilities industry, which it nearly destroyed overnight. Yeah. Um, we were turning over approximately about five, four point eight, five million quid. Yeah. COVID hit. Um, and as with a lot of companies who do what we do for a living, whether that's retail, commercial, yeah, all that side, um, the backside fell right out of the industry. Right. Right out of the industry. Um, so we dropped down, and I'll be privileged, we dropped down to just over two, nearly right. two and a half, um, yeah. within 12 months. Wow. Um, which is bad, but we'd done a few bits before COVID came yeah. along, which helped us. Um, Pre-COVID, we were using a basic CAFM system. 
right. to load jobs, to look after engineers, to do all the paperwork. But we decided about 12, 14 months before COVID hit that we would invest in uh, a new system which would speed the jobs up, speed the paperwork up, help the engineers, um, give us the ability to, you know, to work from site with tablets and all that side of things. Yep. Um, so we, we planned ahead slightly, not for COVID, but we planned ahead for the growth of the business. Yep. So when COVID hit and we had to furlough staff, which, you know, we, we had to, like everyone else in the UK, really. Yeah, I mean, um, you've got to protect the business as well. Yeah, it you? was. It was yeah. protect the business and protect the staff that we kept on. We, yeah. we kept all the engineers. Yep. They carried on working because yep. luckily we had clients where they still needed compliance work done. They still needed repairs doing. Yeah. Um, but what we found was when we furloughed, the the people who work from home, the system actually worked. Right. It we, You know, we were ahead of the curve slightly on it. So it's a, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention the name of it. It's a, it's a system called Simpro. Um, we were ahead of the curve yeah. on it. So, you know, we could load the jobs quickly. We could get the engineers' paperwork to them. There was nothing manual for them to sign. It was all done via a tablet. Mm. So with that, it helped us through COVID. And so when we come out the other side of COVID, we were ready to go again. So we right. kept our engineering, for, uh, our force. Um, you know, we, we kept on the majority of the staff. Some people didn't want to come back. Yep. As is like with a lot of different companies. Well, it was the great resignation, wasn't it? it, it people was, realigned their, yeah. their values, what they wanted from life. And, you know, I, I mean, I think most industries are, su- industries are suffering, you know, somewhat of a skills shortage in certain areas off the back of COVID. Yeah, exactly. You know? Um, so as I say, when we came back into the office, um, it meant we could, start running straight away yeah then we could run straight away so that aided us with clients because a lot of companies didn't come back yep so you know it's terrible to say but we we picked up a lot of work on the back of it through companies who weren't ready for something like covid or have not made plans or have not made backup plans so they didn't have so your advice there would be the right kind of business continuity plan yeah is essential it's forward thinking you you've got to plan for the worst case scenario if it doesn't happen then you're in front yeah, um, and you've also got you've always got a plan for the future of the business. Yeah, say so with, with the Simpro stuff we had, it future proofed the engineer. So we got rid of the paperwork. You know, yeah, we could get things signed. We could put a tablet on a table. They could sign it. Yeah, and we could walk away. We didn't have to do anything. We didn't have to swap paperwork, swap anything else. It meant we could close jobs down straight away. Yeah, it meant we could push everything forward quickly. Um, and that's what we've done. As I say, from half in our turnover at the start of covid or when covid finished we've now gone up so i think um this year we're going to turn on just short seven million quid wow so from dropping down to two yeah covid up to there it just shows you the growth of the company yeah so basically you've gone from four to two during covid and then you've gone from four to six after covid really yeah. so you know a swing of four million yeah. in quite a short period of time it is but that's Again, comes down to the fact that we we understand that the, the, the king in all of this is the client. Yeah. We understand that you know if you do a good job for someone, you look after that someone's work, then those people will come back to you. Completely agree. Um, and that's that's literally that's the philosophy we've got. We we tend to we don't lose many clients. Yep. Which is key. Um, and agree. we seem to win 
a lot of clients. We get a lot of clients coming to us because they're dissatisfied elsewhere. Right. Um, we get a lot of clients who come to us because people who've dealt with it in the past have moved companies. Yeah. They've moved on somewhere else. They've took a promotion and gone somewhere else, and we tend to find that, you know, the first thing they'll do is phone us. Yeah, they take those relationships with them. Exactly. Without a doubt, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. But really interesting for our listeners as well in terms of that story during that, that you know, COVID experience, how a business struggled, you know, looked at technology as a way to support how you operate, moved everything to the cloud. And then on the back end, um, everything was a lot better. You know, your, your, I'm guessing your how your operation worked, how how your engineers worked with the systems and things like that. It was a massive benefit with that forward thinking. It, it was, and as I say, it, it's all. You know, if if you do a job for me, I, I want the paperwork signed. I want yep. to see the risk and method statements. I want to see all of this quick because I want the job doing. So we can now do that very very quickly with what yep. we, with the systems we have. Yeah. Um, and it was a massive benefit for us. Oh, of course. A massive yeah. benefit. Oh, brilliant. Good stuff. That's great. Thank you very much, Steve. That's, That's a really interesting story. Okay, so um, obviously we know the sector that you work in. Um, but how do you think your sector has evolved specifically? So how has hard services M&E had to – we've talked obviously about technology and how that helps you. Um, but how has it evolved in the last five years? Let's, let's forget COVID, but the last five years. In, in the last five years, as I say, it is I, – I'll be perfectly honest with you. I, I'm from an age of doing this job where corners weren't so much cut, but they didn't exist. Yeah. Um, I like that statement. It's, yeah. they, they literally didn't exist. And some of the stories, I'll write a book one day, and some of the stories in the show and the corners that were caught when I first joined the industry. Yeah. Um, it was, you, you look at it now and you think, oh, my Lord, we didn't. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They did God. do that. Um, but now, you know, it, everything is aimed around, it's around speed of work. It's around safe work. Majority of it has got to be around safe work. So, you know, our risk and method statements now have massively evolved. Our right. IT systems have massively involved the training for the engineers. Again, you know, we, we put a lot of effort into training the guys that we have working for us. So, you know, we want them going to work in the morning. We want them going home at nighttime. Yeah, yeah, crucial. crucial. Um, so, and it's also investing in those engineers. Yeah. So we, we're happy to do that. We invest in the engineers. We invest in their infrastructure with, you know, the new vehicles, the new kit. Um, I'm just, oh, I nearly fainted the other day. We just signed off on a brand new tank, and you really don't want to know how much that's just cost. Really? Um, yeah, brand new drainage tanker. It's it's the price of a house, basically. Honestly. It's just really just crazy, crazy. But right. the, the work is there for it again, and that comes down to, you know, again, people trusting us to do their work, so they give us more. So we, we invest in the kit. Yeah. Um, we invest in the engineers. We invest in the, the staff in the office. So, you know, we, we put people through various different courses within the office structure as well. Right. So um, learning and development is Yeah. I mean, we've important. just had Mel today who's finished a, a business degree. So she's we, we put all of these people through it. I mean, mm. the, the lady I mentioned right at the very beginning who started with us when she was 18, she's still with us. She's the company PA. She's, right. She's... I'm not sure she's you can work out how old she is yes um from earlier on but you know she's gone through her mba we've put through right. her MBA, so she's gone through all of this and we you know we've done that 
because it's investing in the people that work for us. And yeah. that, that literally is the only way to do it. And there's a massive payoff for the business in the back end. Oh, of course there is. Yeah. It doesn't always. I mean, you will get the people who we've had people who've took the training and then you turn around the next day and they've handed the notes in and gone somewhere else on a pay rise because right. they've got the training. Yeah. But it doesn't stop you then going on to the next person and investing in that person. Yeah. Um, we've recently qualified for doing the, um, the maintenance inspection and install of fire doors. Right. Again, it's a massive amount of cash yeah. to do that. But again, that's because clients have come to us and said, do you do fire doors? Mm. Yes. So yeah. we've now invested in that side as well. We've, We've started up our own projects division, so it's a separate entity that does the projects, yeah. uh, which is, you know, again, we were getting so many projects coming in that we couldn't cope with the projects within the rest of the business, so we've separated that off. We've got new project managers in there, and those guys are flying. They're, I think, you know, over the last couple of weeks, they've just got, I think it's three quarters of a million quid's worth of work from one client because wow. they did a really good job on the first one. Yeah. Yeah, because kind of everything I'm getting from you is, you know, the, the trust and integrity of the business and the, the, you know, the standard of the work that you do has really helped, mm. you know, both the culture, but also, you know, the continuing growth of the business. You know, that, that trust, I think, I, I always feel like the trust is the key element, you know, that it, they, they trust you to get the job done. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, we, we, you've been in this industry years like me. Yeah. We, we all know companies who in previously and i will say pre-covid yeah whose attitude was well if i lose that client okay i'll get another one yes we we both know companies who went we through do. and do that surprising that must be really surprising to everyone that those companies are not here really anymore yeah yeah um it's now the people who are saying actually that client pays the bill so that yeah. client's going to get 110 of of my attention Without a doubt. it's those companies who are starting to thrive yeah, the you know the, the the ones who don't care and you know I'm not bothered, you know I'll treat my staff like rubbish. There's a skill shortage within the industry, so they soon find that they lose those engineers, the companies who are going to look after them. Without a doubt, yeah. yeah, 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 brilliant, good stuff. Okay, so moving back to sort of your career, so what advice would you give to someone who was interested in starting a career um, within you know your industry in facilities management? Advice on a career, it depends where they're coming from. If, they, if they're coming from an engineer point of view, I'd say align yourself with a company which is going to give you the, the ability to grow. Yeah. Um, as I say, there's still a lot of companies out there who want an engineer to be an engineer, to stay an engineer. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot more companies out there who want to take on an engineer, invest in their growth, because that benefits the company. You know, you can yeah. get a, a standard engineer who will turn into a supervisor, who will become a manager, who will go up the ladder, then that's a lot more beneficial than having someone who's just happy to sit in a van um, and, you know, plod along and not put any effort into what they're doing. Completely agree. I mean, I think that somebody who's an enthusiastic about their work will always do a better job. Yeah. Always. And, you know, enthusiasm, um, you know, that comes from working for a company you enjoy working for that's given you the development and so on and so forth. So I think if you invest in those individuals, you're always going to offer a better level of service yeah. to all of your providers. And it, with that type of person as well, you're always going to get the loyalty. You know, a, a man who's prepared to just, or a woman, whoever yeah. is going to prepare to just to sit in a van and drive around and do the job, got no interest in it, just wants to go home. Yeah, get paid. Um, yeah. Is never going to be as reliable as someone who's who's actually wants to learn, wants to progress. Yeah. 
So I, I would always say that to people. If you're going to get into the industry, then get somewhere that, where they're going to look after you, get yeah. somewhere where they're going to invest in you as a person and help yeah. you grow because that benefits you, benefits your families, benefits everyone around you. Completely agree. Yeah, and you get that longevity as well, Yeah, which is, you know, I think nice. You know, you, you're not you're not looking over your shoulder all the time trying to look at the next opportunity. No, so I've got engineers who are with me now who were at the previous company mm. who – didn't like it there, came with So they've been with us for 11 years. And, I, you know, they, they've been with us a couple of years before that, but they stayed yeah. at the previous company because of people like myself and Glenn. Yeah. So, you know, they've been, what, 13, 14 years yeah. with us. Um, and they've got no intention of going anywhere else. They, yeah. they're, they're happy. They're, you know, they're, they're happy with their wages. They're happy with their life. They've been trained. We, you know, we upgrade their, their kit all the time. They, you mm. know, we offer all sorts of other incentives and things like that for them. Yeah. So they're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. And you know, skill sausage or not, if you, you know, if you treat people that way, they're going to stay with you. I completely agree. Completely agree. Mm. Sold on that one without that stuff. <laughs> okay. So just moving on to um, the next question, I always like to ask this because I, I, I find the responses really, really interesting. Um, how do you see artificial intelligence um, impacting the industry you work in? The benefits and the cons. Um, I was actually I was at a, I was at a networking event um, a little while ago, and they were discussing artificial intelligence, and it, it, I, I found it absolutely fascinating because we I've been dealing a lot at the moment with um, IoT and yeah. building intelligence. Yeah. It's really weird. I mean, you're from a soft service background. Yeah. Um, I'm from a hard service background. So it's always been slightly, there's always been a line down the middle. It's always been slightly separate. There, yeah. Yeah. But the, yeah. the the stuff that's coming through at the moment is absolutely amazing. You know, you, you get, I mean, I'll tell you some of the sensors. You can get sensors that will sit in a room and tell you when it needs venting because of CO2 emissions. You can get one that will tell you what the temperature is because it goes onto the radiators that tells you what, what the measurement is, what the temperature is on the radiators. Right. We can put sensors now onto hot water pipes. So instead of doing a weekly draw through and a temperature check, it will tell you what how many times water's been drawn out of it, how many what the temperature is in it. Really? Um, we can put sensors into toilet roll holders. So yeah. you, your cleaners within your building know when they need to go to that particular toilet because the toilet roll holder is running out. Yeah. Um, the amount of these things, um, even down to uh, filter systems, AC, AVs, this lot here. Yeah. Um, we can put a sensor on either side of it to tell you what the pressure is coming through those filters so you know when you need to change those filters. Wow. Now, all of this is years and years ago would have to be connected to a BMS system. Yeah. It would have to be integrated. If you put it into a building, you'd be knocking down walls, you'd be channeling yeah. out. Everything now is... Um, it's retro retrofit. Everything's yeah. retrofit. There's there's no wiring. Yeah. Um, most of the systems out there now don't even work on wireless. They work on um, an RF system. Right. So if you've got a building which is a data center, it's something you know you can't really connect to the Wi-Fi for security reasons. Yeah. It runs on a radio frequency. Right. So that all that things, even down to uh, flood defense systems, you can yeah. put you can put flood detectors under floorboards. Under you know anywhere you want, and tell you if there's an issue. Yeah, it's the the IoT stuff at the moment. I know one building, shan't remember shan't name it, but yeah. I know one building within a week of the system going in, they'd say fifty thousand pound. Really, when the building was refitted, 
the BMS system wasn't calibrated correctly and it was set to come on at night time. So the, the, the building had been heating and cooling and done it in everything at night time when there's no one in the building. Ah. So but all of these systems are completely independent yep. of the BMS system. Yeah. So, you know, we can put them onto electric meters so we can read your meter. Mm. So if you're in a commercial unit, um, you know, say it's a remote building, then you can put them on the meters so you don't have to send someone out. It's like a smart meter at home, though. Yeah, just connects to the meter and it reads yeah. it. reads it for you. But these can go on older meters, so it's not so much, you know, you, the, the smart meters will read what electric is being used. These can actually physically read your meter. Fine. Um, so th there's all sorts of things like that. There's new systems coming out where you can do the drop test on the emergency lighting. It tests the emergency lighting for you instead of, as always, you have to send someone along, they click it on, click it off, and it's tested. This yeah. does it remotely. And it can do it, you know, every every five minutes, every ten minutes, every couple of hours at a specified time. Right. And the good thing with all these systems are they're all remote, so they all connect via RF signals. They all yeah. go directly to a dashboard on your laptop. So you can have a dashboard set up. What you then do is you have parameters set up on your dashboard. So if you say, actually, that room or that water in that tap needs to be X, X amount hot, yeah. if it goes above that or below that, it will an alarm will go off and it will tell you, actually, that hot water is not right. Yeah. If this room becomes too hot or there's too much CO2 in it, it will actually, you set the parameters and it will say, actually, that room's not right. You need to vent that room now. Yeah. Um, it's, so, it's amazing stuff that's coming through. So would you say that, that potentially the future where artificial intelligence would be that these sensors can be integrated into a BMS and then once you hit certain metrics, it just gets changed automatically without any kind of human intervention? Could that um, happen? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know whether the BMS industry would cover that. Right. No, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as I say, it, it can be run as an independent thing. Now, the, the question should have been the other way around, whether, right. this, whether at some point in the future... This well, I don't know how services well, things, so, you know. <laughs> this, whether this system will replace the BMS system. Well, actually, yeah. Yeah, fair comment. Um, I, I don't know. It, it's Everything is slightly up in the air at the moment. Yeah. Um, it's At the moment, it's an add-on yeah. to a BMS system. Um, but in the future, I don't know. It's, it's still very much, it's, it's going to go one way or the other. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to go very quick. It's, it's all going to come down to the design side of things because it's, it, you know, if, if designers pick up on this and decide, actually, we don't need those big machines everywhere and all the wires in the wall, let's do this via sensors and RF signals and all the rest of it. So that, how much is that going to save? Or it could be that they turn around and say, actually, let's integrate this into a bit. It's yeah. whichever way the system is going at the moment and whichever way it comes out. Yeah. But whichever way it is, it's making buildings better for people. Yeah. You know, who wants to go into a meeting room when it's, you know, CO2 in the cabin and all everything is, is through the roof? Yeah. Because that's not a nice place to work. True. So yeah. it will tell you it needs venting. You know, who needs to send a, a cleaner every one hour? to a particular toilets to do something when you don't need to. Yeah. That cleaner can be off and utilised somewhere else. It's about being efficient. It's yeah. making everything more and more efficient. You know, yeah. you, need, you need to send an engineer into a building once a week to test the temperature on a tap and draw through water when actually that guy's time or girl's time can be spent better place somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 
it's moving very, very quickly, and it, it's it's only over the last couple of years, the last eighteen months, two years, and it's now starting to take off. Yeah, big. Yeah, big. So I think in the next eighteen months, the, the growth in that in the IoT bit is just going to be. Yeah. Massive. Yeah, Massive. it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Yeah. Um watching how it pans out. Mm. Across hard and soft services actually. Um, you know, and, and across that total FM piece, you know, because there's gonna be innovations and things that come out that even you or I aren't even considering at the minute, I think. So, you know, I think it's gonna be very interesting. Yeah, it's um as I say, it's it's crazy. It's you know, sensors under desk, so you know who sat there and how long they sat there for and yeah. It, it's you know you've been sat down too long. You need to get up and move. It's, I was chatting to someone the other day, and it's there's a, a system they're looking at where it's you know you don't use um, a physical computer. Yeah. You have a screen and you have a board, and you literally you log onto the internet. It goes up, and your your whole office is based on there, and it's controlled by your phone. So you put your phone down. It tells you actually this person likes the temperature at this. This person needs to connect to that. It connects to the other. The, the, the whole thing is just massively mushrooming at the yeah, moment. It's becoming, really, it in, in, becoming really intuitive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. I don't know. Is it a bit – are we going to forget how to be people, do you think? Do you, because, you know, if, if I've got a computer telling me when to stand up or when to sit down, you know, are we going to lose some skills, you know? Uh, I, I don't think you're going to lose skills. I think you're just going to make the environment better for people to work in. Yeah. Um, as I say, if, you know, who wants some, an employee or who wants someone sat at their desk for five hours without moving? Yeah. That's not healthy for that person. That's very true. Who, yeah. who wants a room which, you know, if you've got 20 people sat in a room and they're in there four hours, you know, the, the carpet, everything is going to go through the roof, the CO2 is going to go through the roof in there. That's not healthy for them people. So what you're doing is you're providing a better work environment so then you get more, again, you as before with engineers, you get more people then saying, actually, I want to work for that company. Yeah. We'll have to watch those micro-managers out there, they'll stay, won't we? Yeah, hey, don't do that. Make sure that they don't utilise it as a... <laughs> you will get some to do that, but then yeah. people will just move elsewhere. Very true, very true. Um, people will vote with their feet, won't they? Yeah, of course they will. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Really interesting. Interesting concept. Um, so in, in, in your area of expertise, okay... Uh, how does environmental, social, and governance issues impact what you do on a daily basis? It impacts on everything, it impacts right. massively on everything. We are all of our major clients now um, are massively pushing the uh, the carbon net zero. Yep, um, sustainability. They're all pushing it, and, mm. and we are as well. It it makes us more aware of our responsibilities. So whereas before, you know, you you know, 20 years ago, you got a skip outside, you threw everything in the skip. No one really cared. It went in the skip. Yeah. Now we're more cautious um, about what we do with things, where things go, what can we reuse? We, we do a lot. You know, if we have spare materials, we can donate them. Um, it, it's, it's just making people massively aware um, you know, most of the networking events that I, I run, which I'll, I'll we'll probably come into in a minute, yep. they're all going to be, they're all neutral, carbon neutral. So we, we have a company um, called Neutral Carbon who they come in and anything that we do, anything that we organize now will be net zero. Yeah. So again, that's a lot of people now are being stopped from doing certain things because it's you know it's not not good for the environment it's you know it's not very good on the carbon neutral side so anything that we can do to push that 
and help it is better for everyone. Yeah, I think it's, 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 I think a lot of business is going through a re-education, really, mm. um, in relation to how how we all operate um, within the space to make sure that we're doing the right thing for the right reasons, it, um, and we're not creating any issues or or anything like that. But yeah. I mean, it's great. I'd, I've said this before on the podcast. I think that our industry has has um, taken hold of this probably better than most industries um, out there. Um, I think that we've really done well, you know, because obviously I write tenders sim as you do, I, I expect Steve. So I see what clients want and I see how companies are, you know, responding to those requirements in a very positive way. You know, they're all, you know, I think the industry as a whole is invested in it and trying to do the right thing. I think it's it's the same as anything within this industry. You know, the, the health and safety 20 years ago, it was there. Mm but it wasn't where it should be. Now yeah. that progressed forward very, very quickly to where yeah. it is now. And it's the same with, you know, sustainability and the environmental side. That came in a few years ago. It was, it's always been there, yeah. but it's been one of them things that, oh, yeah, do we have to? Mm-hmm. But yeah. now it's become more of a, we have to, we are, we want it's, to. Yeah. It's a real focus. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and it's the same with most things within the industry. They've all that they've all took hold and then been moved forward. And it's exactly the same with that now. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. It, it's yeah. It's, it's the same as the ILT stuff. There's a couple yeah. of big things over the next few years. We're going to, you'll be sat here in five years time going, Oh my God. Yeah. It'd be quite interesting in five years time to listen back to have this podcast again yeah. in five years time and talk about how that has actually changed. Like, you know, Steve, you said this then, but look at what's happened. I know. You know? Well, I'd, I'd say two years, not yeah. five years. Yeah, yeah. Let's do one every two years, yeah. <laughs> two Northerners on a podcast. Two Northerners on a podcast. <laughs> say the world to rights. Sounds good. All right. Um, so uh, moving on to, you know, where do you think, what do you think the future landscape of facilities management on the whole looks like? I, I don't think a lot of it will change. I think it will improve. And yep. I think, you know, the IoT side and the carbon neutral side will improve it. Yeah. Um, but you're always going to need bots. You're always going to need someone to manage something. You're always yep. going to need engineers on site to manage yep. and to repair things. That Completely is not going to change. Mm. What you will end up is you will end up with better educated, better trained, yep. more qualified, more aware people on sites yeah um you know we've all met the guys on sites who you know just want to go in at eight o'clock and finish at four or go in yeah. at nine and finish at five they don't care you know no. if it's you know if it's recyclable they don't care they'll throw it in the bin because they don't we've all met those people yeah but those people are gradually being either educated or moved out of the system yeah so i don't think it'll change massive amount because you can't get rid of the physical element of what we do you know, you, that's a really fair comment. You you can't, you know, you've got to change a toilet roll in the toilet in the, in the toilets. Yeah, you've got to change a light bulb. You've yeah. got to fix the door handle when someone yeah. breaks it. You, you, all these physical things you have to do. Yeah, um, we'll be more efficient doing them. You know, yeah. you, you know, your stock ordering, things on site, the the engineer, how he does his work. You know, he takes a door handle off. What happens with the door handle? Is it recyclable? Yeah. Is it you know? Can it be repaired? Does it need to go into the scrap? Does it need to go into yeah. waste? All of those things, I think people become more and more aware of. But you are never going to get rid of the physical no. element. No, I mean, t- technology is an enabler, isn't it? Yeah, you know, but it's ne- you, you're never going to have 
you know, we're not going to have that Terminator scenario where you've got a robot with two legs, a brain, and two arms that can do everything that we can. Well, I don't think so anyway, but... Um, not in our lifetime. Not in our lifetime, no. No, no. It would be very interesting to see it, though, wouldn't it, yeah. to be fair? Okay, brilliant. So... How do you? Um, so we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about how you stay informed about yeah. developments in there, and then I want to kind of go into the networking, which I know that you're a massive proponent of, and I'd like you to talk about how that can help people throughout their career in the industry. Um, so, so let's start with um, stay informed of new developments and trends within the industry. How do you do that? I I personally think that goes in with the networking. The networking. Um, well, no, you say what you need it, to say. Yeah. I think the whole thing works together because, you know, I, I, you are right, I network. Yep. People know me. Um, as I said in my post the other day, people know me either by my shirts or by my networking. I am jealous of your networking ability, Steve. Without a doubt, 100% jealous I, of it. I have been told that I network a little bit. Yeah. Um, slightly. Um, but not, think, not a bad thing, though. A great thing, I think. No, it's, it is a great thing. Someone says to me, you know, why, why do you do so much networking? Well, it's quite straightforward. Where else are you going to get the clients from? Where else are you going to get the contacts from? Completely agree. You know, if I walk into a room and I've got 70 people networking in a room, there's 70 potential clients. Yep. Now, a lot of people say, well, yeah, but some of them do the same as you do. Well, great, great. Do they do everything I do? Hmm. Do they subcontract work out? Do they have work that they can't cover themselves? Yeah. Um, you know, all of those things come into networking. It, it isn't just a straight line of, um, you know, oh, you know, he's hard services. You can't talk to him. The amount yeah. of people who have said that to me is just ridiculous. Yeah. You know, oh, he's hard services. You can't, you can't talk to him. Well, I can because he might not be hard services at that company for the rest of his life. He might move somewhere else. Very so true. Contact. Yeah. He may not do everything that I do. There may be something he does which I need. Yeah. There may be something I do that he needs. Yep. There may be contacts of his who are looking for something that I do that he doesn't. So yeah. that's the art of networking. It's literally it's making the connections. And you are right, I do. I do run a lot of networking. Um, we ran the NC networking event. Yeah. Um, we ran that for a, a few years, and that was born out of um, COVID. Yep. Um, it, I attended a few actually. Yeah, yeah they it, were good. They too. were always really well attended, but that yeah. came out of a, um, a Teams thing on, on during COVID. Right. So it was um, it was myself, um, a lady called Claire Curran, who yep. owns a company called Linikers. I know Claire. Yeah. Who's now uh, the first ever female president of Bisa. Oh, so, fantastic. Um, Claire, um, Lee Palmer, uh, Rianne Scott, and uh, there was a group of us. Uh, Rob Knight and. We were all friends. We'd all met before. We were all friends. So, you know, to say we're sitting at home being bored, on a Thursday yep. we would have a quiz night. Yeah. Straightforward quiz night. Fair enough. Did get messy sometimes. It did turn <laughs> into a, um, you know, two o'clock in the morning trying to find the stuff that you brought back from Greece 10 years ago, which no one's ever drank. We even got yeah. to the point we were doing karaoke. Right. In the middle of the night. It, it was just, but everyone sat at home. You couldn't get out. You couldn't yeah. do anything. So when we came out of um, COVID, the first thing we said was, why don't we take this on the road? This has been really good. Yeah. We all had a lot of connections, so we started the NC. Um, so it's predominantly run by myself and uh, Ryan Scott of yep. RS Elite. So we set everything up, we did it, and it took off really, really well. We had anywhere from 50 to 70 people coming along to the events. Yep. Um, and that kept going for about two years. Um, but as with any networking event, as with anything in life, you have to spruce it up a little bit let it grow, um, and then change, make changes. So on the back of that, 
um, we were involved in something called Yes We Can with a, a gentleman called Derry Long. Yes We Can is um, a pre-MIPM Cannes event. So it's every year one of the largest um, developer construction um, events in Europe is in Cannes. Right. right. So we started a Yes We Can pre-MIPM. Yeah. So we would have three. Like that. That's good. We would have three hundred people coming along. Yeah. Um, and what it did, it broke the ice with people going over to Cannes. Yeah. So you would meet people. So you weren't rocking up over there, not knowing anyone. Yeah. So you could make meetings. You could chat with people. The amount of work that came through it as well was just crazy. Um, so there was that. Then you know, a little while ago, we had UK Reef in Leeds, which is a, a massive new event. Um, been going for it's the second year now, right. uh, which is aimed at councils, um, housing developers, all that side. Yeah. So we organised a yes, we can UK Reef. So we had a nice little venue in Leeds. Um, we'd allowed to sell tickets up to one hundred and forty. Yeah. We sold another forty odd on the door. Wow. We ended up having to move downstairs and we topped up at 400 plus people. Wow. Um, so on the back of that, we were winding up NC. So what we've done is we've just combined the whole thing now. So yeah. Yes We Can goes live on the 28th of September right? Um, in London. And again, we've got 250 people. So we've got sponsors, we've got everything. We've got singers, we've got bands on at the night. Yeah. And it's all about networking and making connections. Yeah. Um, there's one the following week, which is, as we discussed earlier on, we can have a chat about that. Yeah, one. we'll talk I, about that afterwards. It's, yeah, um, yeah. it's a very, very large event on the 5th of October, uh, yeah. which I've been asked to host. Yeah, I, we'll, we'll have a chat about that. You're, basic, you're basically Van Wilder, party liaison, aren't you? Steve? Um, that's, I, that's... I have been told that I do organise a very good event. Yeah. Um, but they're good events because we get the right people there. We, yeah. we engage with people. You know, if, if we get new people coming in, we'll take them and introduce them to other people. I mean, one of the, the, the biggest ones I did was we had, um, when we do in the NC, a gentleman walked up the stairs looking like a rabbit in the headlights. Um, mm. First event he'd ever been to, went and met him at the stairs, um, introduced myself, got him chatting about what he does. Because it doesn't matter what I do, yeah. that'll come out and we can chat that later, but it's yeah. what you do. Yeah, um, He told me. Um, I'd had a conversation earlier on in the evening with someone about a similar thing, so I introduced the two of them, and he walked out at the end of the night with his largest ever single order of £20,000. Wow. But that's engaging with people. Yeah. That's understanding what networking is. Networking is all about what we can do for each other, what I can do for you, yeah. and then potentially what you can do for me. It isn't about, I want this off you. No, I agree. And yeah. that's the biggest issue with people and networking is a lot of people yeah. think you can just rock up and say i sell this you're all going to buy it off me yeah that's never going to work no but i think the other thing that networking does and, and i think that you do incredibly well is it brings you know it, it creates those um essential supply lines yeah. to people who operate across the facilities management industry so you know if you go to one of these networking events i think i think sometimes people are a little bit scared of them like they think they're going to walk into them and ten thousand sales people are going to go yeah. rah you know, and just start attacking them and things. But it doesn't work like that. You know, it is very much, you know, um, I mean, the, the events that I've been to that, that, that you're involved in, you know, I think the first one I came to, you actually came up the stairs and you bought me a drink, actually, the first time we'd met. Oh, don't tell people that. No, no, well, you know, <laughs> I must have been special. I don't know. I don't know. But I think, I think you know, you did set me 
at ease, you know, which is which is quite important. And I think, but it creates those links. So if you're a facilities manager or a property manager, I think, and you're looking for, you know, good service partners that you can trust and rely on, sometimes these events are crucial mm. um, because that builds your network. So, you know, and you need those relationships as you go through your career in facilities management. The, um, the, the big event I've got going on in October um, is it's not so much aimed at the suppliers of the people I'm organizing the event for. It isn't aimed at those people. Yeah. Um, there'll be one or two of them there, but the majority of the people there will be people who are on the outside looking in. Yeah. Who are one step away from being able to work with those people. Yes. But have never had the opportunity. Yeah. So, you know, we work in conjunction with the people we're organizing it for, and we'll bring those people in. So they've got the ability to be introduced to that group. Yep. Um, and that that is that's the best way to do it. That's bringing extra suppliers in. It's bringing new suppliers in um, to that group and to that company. Yep. So, but we've done them. I've done them in Scotland. I've done them in Leeds. I've done them in Manchester. I've done them in Birmingham. We, we've done them all over the place. Um, and as I say, that they, they tend to work. We we like a nice, friendly. Yep. event we like an event where people are chatting we like an event where no one is scared to ask a question you know if, yep. if i see you stood there oh it's the first thing i'll say is what you know what you're looking to achieve who do you want yep. to chat to yeah then i'll tell you to the people i'll you introduce will, yep. you to the people which yep. i have done yeah um i'll introduce you i'll start the conversation and then you take it from there mm. um and it works for most people unless you get the one who walks in and as I say, I, I sell stationery, you're all going to buy off me. Yeah. No, that's not how yeah, it works. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. No, yeah. it's not. <laughs> they do exist, though, Steve. They do. I've had them walk in. I've, yeah. I've had them walk in. I've had to walk into events and it's like, well, I've not enjoyed this event. Well, why not? Well, because I'm trying to sell it to my stuff to everyone. Well, okay, so would you like someone to just come marching up to you and start trying to sell to you? Or would you like to have a conversation with someone yeah. about what you do and what they do and then see where the synergy is Yeah, and then see how you can work together collaboratively? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's networking. It is. Completely agree. Brilliant. Thank you very much. That's really interesting, that, Steve. Really interesting. I think, um, I think that, you know, the power of networking across the industry um, – needs to be looked at more intensely i think yeah um because i think that it could it could be really beneficial okay so um we're gonna, we haven't got time for all the questions steve um so um i do tend to talk a lot oh, it's all right it's all right it's been very interesting it's the filter bit as well people do tend to say steve you don't have a filter um, no it's great no idea what one of them is so yeah well you haven't sworn yet steve so that's really good. i know it's unusual for me yeah, you i'm, I'm behaving myself <laughs> i'll get one in before the end you're right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can swear where we have a drink after yeah um okay so what would you say so what's your greatest achievement or some of your greatest achievements um in your career in facilities management greatest achievement really is is advance because yeah. i say to start from scratch i mean we literally started from nothing no clients yeah. absolutely nothing um from a little small office with as i say the two of us and an apprentice yep um to where we are now. I mean, there's 75 engineers on the road. There's 34 in the office. That's excellent growth. Uh, we've yeah. got um, MDs in each of the divisions now, so it, it frees up time for me to carry on seeing clients and doing that side of things. Um, as I say, that is probably the biggest, my biggest achievement. And that, again, most of that is down to my business partner, Glenn. Yeah. Because we have a very 
unique relationship. It's quite simple. I, I enjoy networking. I enjoy seeing clients. I enjoy yeah. getting out. Glenn likes the office. He likes, <laughs> he likes that side of things. Fair so enough. We tend to yeah. work well together on that. But that my biggest achievement is that. Um, and, yeah, that's it. Well, look, congratulations. That's no small achievement. Mm-hmm. You know, I think both you, Glenn, um, and also all of your engineers and your teams, you know, you should be congratulated for going, you know, through a difficult period during COVID and bringing the business back and really growing it. So, you know, congratulations to you all. Okay, lastly, um, we always like to learn a little bit um, about our guests on the show. So just tell us a little bit about what gives you the greatest satisfaction um, from work and also from a personal perspective. Um, personal, it's um, well. I mentioned before, my my I'm really proud of my daughter um, lives in Australia. She's an ex international football player. Is she? Be- I was gonna um, I was gonna ask you to tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. She's she's played all over the UK. She's playing since she was four years old. Back in the day when girls football wasn't like it is now. When you know I had to qualify as an FA coach because they couldn't get any coaches and all the referees wouldn't do anything, wouldn't turn up. We've got no money. You know, we had to scrounge around for sponsorship for shirts or we'd get the lads cast off shirts. Wow, right. Um, so she's played all over the country. She's played over in France. She's, you know, played over in America. Um, she moved to Australia six years ago, mm. um, carried on playing for New South Wales and right. unfortunately got um, took out by a, another lady and um, bust her ankle. Oh. So she had to stop playing. Um, 240 tackle is it yeah yeah yeah, big lovely tackle so uh, dirty but she's massively into you know she's she's yeah she's amazing amazing woman um she's now doing her and a partner um who's a a police sergeant and an auxiliary fire fire person over there right um they're now doing a run from the gold coast down to sydney in conjunction with the world cup that's a long way as well. Uh, it's a thousand kilometers, yeah. so it's thirty-two kilometers a day yeah. for thirty-two days. Wow! While dribbling a ball. Oh God! Right. Um, so she's just up towards. I think tomorrow's the halfway line. Yeah. Um, so she's raising, trying to raise half a million dollars or Australian dollars. Yeah. Um, for women's mental health in sport over right. in Australia. Um, she's done it all herself. She's got the sponsor herself. She's got everything sorted herself. So I say her and her partner, she's just been amazing. They're wow. just literally traveling all the way down the coast. And she's, she's gone through, I mean, you can imagine this is Australia. She's yeah. gone through, um, the rain, through the winds, through absolutely through the heat, <laughs> yeah. through the kangaroos in the middle of the road. Kangaroos, yeah. And they're, uh, they're far more dangerous than people realize oh, as well, Steve. Yeah. Realize. And she's got dogs chasing her up the road because they want the football. She's had absolutely everything. So, um, she finishes off on at the World Cup final, but she's right. been. You know, there's a lot of involvement from um, you know the women in sport, from FIFA, from all those guys as well. So she finishes right up at the World Cup final. Um, so that's just absolutely amazing. So yeah. um, if anyone is on LinkedIn or anything, just look her up. It's Fran Herndall. Um, yeah, and just you know, give her a cheer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If anybody wants to donate, yeah, to a great exactly. cause. The, the, the links on there. Um, so that's most of my time is my kids and my grandkids. Um, right. Anyone who knows me go knows exactly what I'm like with my grandkids. Yeah, they get away with absolute bloody murder. Do they? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and they get everything. If you know, if, yeah, I've got it. They can have it. How many have you got? I've got three grandkids now. Wow, three. 
two five-year-olds and a three-year-old. Is it what uh, twins or uh, no? No, I... my eldest daughter has a five-year-old and a three-year-old, and my youngest daughter, who moved back in with me at the start of COVID, yeah, literally as COVID kicked off, she moved in. So anyone who saw any of my um, videos and anything over um, over the time will know exactly mm. what I mean. I had a two-year-old running around then, oh, uh, and he's still with me now. So. Yeah, um, it's great. He knocks on the door in the morning. Granddad, Granddad, can I play your Xbox? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go on then. Yeah, away go you on go. Then. Away you go. Yeah. Leave me alone. I'm going to sleep. Yeah. To be fair, my daughter Abigail was born um, during COVID. Actually, so she she is a COVID baby, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but actually, do you know what? It was actually really nice because with my other two children, I didn't. I missed everything. Does that make sense? Yeah. But because I was working from home a lot or it was a lockdown or anything, I was there for everything. I saw, you know, the first time she rolled over, the first time she walked, you know, all those things that I think when you're working full time, you tend to miss. But I got to see it all. Which is, and I'm guessing you got to see a lot of stuff I, as well. I that, got exactly the same thing yeah. with, with the grandkids because I was exactly the same as you when the kids yeah. were growing up. I was out, you know, at, when I first moved down from Manchester to, to Essex, I was doing three jobs. Yeah. When I first moved down there 36 years ago, I was doing wow. two, three jobs. It's, it's what we had to do. Yeah. Um, so I missed Kids a lot need of feeding, it. Steve, yeah. don't they, unfortunately? Um, you so know. I missed a lot of it. But um, with my grandkids, I got to see all of it, which was great. And right. I get to give them back at the end of the night when they're getting on my nerves as well. Yeah, yeah. Once you filled them full of sweets. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's basically my, my out of work time is either organising networking events or the grandkids. Oh, absolutely fantastic. Well, listen, Steve, that's the end of the episode. Um, thank you very much for joining us on Wear Many Hats for our 22nd episode. Um, all right, listeners, um, another interesting one. Steve's given us some really good content to think about. Um, if anybody wants to reach out to him for any reason, feel free to do so. Um, that's our 22nd episode. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers, Steve. Bye-bye.